Is evolution supported by science? Let's find out today on Changed by Grace. Welcome to Changed by Grace. I'm Pastor Steve Herford. We are looking today at the subject of origins. To do that, we're going to examine evolution and look at it in light of science. Schools today teach the subject of origins by teaching evolution, and they do not allow for God being the creator or intelligent design. So, how did it all begin? Well, let's find out. This morning, we're going to uh, dive into a subject I don't think we've really covered in any detail here at Change by Grace. And to do that, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And to start us off this morning, I just want to focus in on the first verse. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In fact, this was our scripture memory verse last week, Genesis 1-1. So if you haven't memorized that verse yet, just look down and you can memorize that verse after I read it. It'll have instant memory, right? Yes. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That verse right there tells us everything. The book of Genesis is simply that, a book of beginnings. We find the beginning of everything in Genesis. That's why we need to go back to Genesis in our lives to see what God has for us, how everything began, what God's purpose is for each one of us. In fact, I would just have to say this, that the book of Genesis will present a correct biblical worldview. All of us have a worldview, how we view this world. We either view it through the world itself or we view it through the Bible. And my hope and prayer is that you view it through the Word of God, the Bible itself. We live in a world that certainly wants to deny the existence of God, but right here in the very first verse, it assumes the existence of God by saying, in the beginning, God. In fact, also in that verse, we have the Trinity. You say, well, I don't see that. You say, well, I'd see that definitely in verse 2 when it says that the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. You say, okay, I see one of the members right there in verse 2. But how do you get the Trinity in the first verse? Well, it's found there in the Hebrew word translated God. It is the word Elohim. This word right here expresses a singular God existing in a form of plurality. And we know that there's plurality because if you look down to verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And you'll notice the plural being used there. And as I stated just a second ago, that we all have one of two worldviews. Our worldview is either biblical or it is worldly. And if it's worldly, it's satanic. Because Satan wants to come along and say that there is no God. But yet Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, The fool is said in his heart, No God. You're foolish if you come to that conclusion. If you can walk outside and observe the creation and then come to the conclusion that this got here by chance, that's foolish. And the Bible calls you a fool. Because the Bible has presented to us an abundance of evidence We call that general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is that God reveals himself through his creation. Special revelation is God reveals himself through the Bible. But yet today, what is being proposed to us is that everything that we see 
came from a primeval puddle that decided to become something else. Man eventually walked up out of the sea after many transitions, and you have what you have now. That sounds very foolish, because when you think about it, if you look at the creation, it demands a creator. It demands a designer. Just as we're sitting in this building today, everything in here demands a designer. The building itself, the chairs, the PA system, the technology that's in this room, everything demands a designer. And to adopt a view that things just happen by chance would be like taking our watches apart, putting them in our pockets, and shaking our pockets, and pulling out our watch all intact again. That's not going to happen. That's pure foolishness. But again, the question is, what worldview have you adopted? Now, there are those who say, well, I believe that God got the process started, and then he allowed evolution to take over. That is called theistic evolution. And that, too, also attacks the integrity of Scripture that attacks the Word of God. Now, we believe here at Change by Grace that God created the heavens and the earth world in six literal 24-hour days. And how do we know that? Well, just look there. Look at verse 3. He says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And if you'll notice that last phrase there on verse 5 occurs on each day of creation. Each creation day ends with that phrase, and there was evening and there was morning one day. If you have an evening and you have a morning, what do you have? You have a 24-hour day. This word here is used in that way. And we know because over in Exodus it says that God created in six days. Now, if he was referring to years, I think he would have told us years. If he was t telling us a longer period of time than 24-hour days, he would have indicated that to us. But what you have, you've got some people with intentions to come along and say, well, science has done so much for us and has interpreted the Bible for us, but let me just say this, it's not science. Science hasn't done that because true science comes back to the Bible and comes back to this view that God created the heavens and the earth, and that he did this in six 24-hour days. It's evolution that's come along and has added millions of years. What I want to talk about today is this whole issue. It's not creationism versus evolution. It's science versus evolution. See, the argument today is not between evolutionists and creationists. The argument is between science and evolution. And I want to show you some things that I find pretty fascinating when you study this whole realm between science and evolution. First of all, modern science had a biblical view. It had a biblical foundation. Most early scientists like Newton and Galileo and Kepler and Boyle, they believed in God. They believed that God created an orderly universe that he governs through laws that men may discover and use. This is what they believed in the beginning. Was evolution part of that time? Yes, it was. But our modern scientists of that period believed in a biblical world view. They believed in God. They believed in Christ. They believed in the Holy Spirit. They were fully assured that the Word of God is simply that, the Word of the living God. Johann Kepler lived from 1571 to 1630. He said this, We may behold how God 
like a master builder, has laid the foundation of the world according to order and law. See, again, you walk outside and, and you've got one of two conclusions. This all happened by chance or there is a designer. There is a creator. And again, it's utter foolishness just to walk around and say this all happened by chance. Because nothing happens in our life by chance, does it? We use that term. We use it pretty loosely. We also use the word luck. Luck is another word for chance. But all things happen by God's design and God's involvement in His creation. And even this, God didn't just create everything and then back up. He's part and involved in His creation. If it wasn't for Him sustaining all things, that we would just spin out of existence. We'd spin into an explosion. But God has held everything together by the word of His power. Hebrews chapter 1. Notice Galileo. Galileo lived from 1564 to 1642, and he said this, A hundred passages of Holy Scripture teach us that the glory and greatness of Almighty God are marvelously displayed in all His works and divinely read in the open book of heaven. Sounds like somebody who affirmed the biblical account. You can take someone else like Sir Isaac Newton, lived from 1642 to 1727, and he said the universe was rightly designed a temple of God, This being governs all things as Lord over all. You just take those few statements there and we see that their understanding was based upon the Bible. Now you ask the question, is the Bible scientific? Does it give us everything about science? No, it doesn't give us everything about science, but when it speaks about science, it's 100% accurate. Let's notice a few of those things that they discovered. First of all, The Bible teaches that the earth is a sphere suspended in space. Notice Job 26 and verse 7. It says, He stretches out the north over empty space, and He hangs the earth on nothing. See, it's amazing what you find if you just go back to the Bible, right? You find that, again, when the Bible does speak about these things, it speaks with 100% accuracy. Well, what about this? You have this, that the water cycle keeps the land watered. And we have in Job 36 and verses 27 and 28, For he draws up the drops of water. They distill rain from the midst which the clouds pour down. They drip upon man abundantly. And there you have the water cycle. And again, the Bible speaking with 100% accuracy. Well, what about this? We have what scientists refer to as the second law of thermodynamics, which tells us that the universe is running down. Things aren't getting better. They're running down. And Psalm 102, verses 25 and 26 says, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them, notice this, will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed. The first law of thermodynamics says that everything is preserved. God is the one who is preserving. This is the second law of thermodynamics in telling us that everything is running down. And again, the Bible with 100% accuracy when it speaks about these things. Notice something else. We find in the Bible that blood sustains life. And Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of life that makes atonement. And we certainly do agree with that, that the life is in the blood, right? But you know, again, it doesn't stop there. 
We go back to Genesis chapter 1. We see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And notice, as the Bible gives us its own commentary, it tells us that the universe is made of invisible things. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. See, some people ask, you know, was the earth just there? And then out of that, God began to create. Nothing was there. There was nothing there. In the beginning was nothing but God. And I have that common question that's asked of me many times is where did God come from? And parents, I'm sure your kids, if they haven't gotten to that question yet, they're going to. I promise you they will get there. As you teach them about God, you teach them about Christ and the Holy Spirit, and they ask you, where did God come from? And the only answer you can give is, He's always been. And amazing enough that you don't have to go into a lot of explanation because they usually will walk away and say, okay. And most of the time it's just because you answered the question. Unless you're Cody, and Cody always says, why? But why? But why? There is no but why. Turn with me to Psalm 90, and here's your passage that you could point them to. Read it to them, help their little minds understand these things. Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And by saying that God has always existed, He's always been, it's in that phrase, from everlasting to everlasting. He says, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world. You were from everlasting to everlasting. You've always been there. And so in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, when God began the creating, He created the heavens and the earth. And then you'll see as you read on how He created everything else. But Hebrews 11.3 tells us that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now think with me just for a moment. With this foundation firmly in mind, and you take these men that I just quoted to you, a purpose of science became extremely clear to them. And this is what they came up with. When they talk about science, this is what they're thinking, to carefully observe nature in order to discover the laws of creation so these laws could be put to work for the benefit of mankind. Discovering those laws that God has already put in place. We try to test those laws, don't we? When we were little, when I was little, I used to like to climb on the roof. All you little children, close your ears at this moment, put your hands over your ears. And I used to like to jump off the roof. I'm thankful that that roof was not like a two-story house or anything like that. I dealt with the burning of the feet when I would hit the ground. But for some reason, I didn't want to take a ladder down. There was a tree beside the house that I used to go down sometimes, but other times I just wanted to jump. Uh, Don't question me about that later. I don't know why I did that. Nor could most of us in here give an answer to why some of the things we did when we were younger, right? But see, that was a testing of gravity, and it worked. It went down, and it hurt. You take these founders of modern science. They expected scientific truth to be in complete agreement with the Bible. 
They believed in the past. They believed in the fact of creation. And that right there was foundational for understanding the present. If they want to understand today, they understood the past. And that's what they studied. You know what, folks? Evolutionists and creationists have the same evidence. We all look at the same thing. The question is, is how we interpret it. That's all. That's how we interpret it. What's the conclusions that we come to? Now, the Greeks also had a belief about origins. They believed that living things could arise from non-living things, and this was actually referred to as spontaneous generation. They also gave rise to the belief that living things give rise to other form of living things, and this was referred to as biological evolution. You had from A.D. 500 to A.D. 1500, which are the Middle Ages, that this actually evolved into superstition. It's amazing some of the stories that came out of this, but they actually believed that frogs and fish formed in the sky during the storms, and it would rain down upon the earth. They also believed that maggots and worms had developed from rotten meat. This actually had created a false belief that was based on fear, It was based on ignorance, and it wasn't until 1517 during the Protestant Reformation that modern science took a sudden turn. This actually caused a turning away from superstition and turning to the Bible. See, when we think about the Protestant Reformation, many times all we think about is just the church. But we need to understand that this affected culture as well. It affected a worldview. It affected how people thought about God and origins. So it was a good thing all the way around. But you know what? Not all believed this. Not all took this turn. Many of the Greeks believed everything was material. They believed that nothing was spiritual. This became known as materialism. And then you had by the mid-1800s, modern science produced, of course, many inventions. But when you had Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species, published in 1859, many had accepted that philosophy That philosophy of origins, the philosophy of evolution with little thought. Now listen, evolution was believed. It was proposed. Many adopted this as their worldview. But it's just like everything else in history. There's one person that comes along and we tag that person with that information as if they're the father of it. And just so it happens, that's what is going on here with Darwin. Now, except for the great scientists like Faraday, Kelvin, and Maxwell. They rejected Darwin's views. And still, many accepted the views of even liberal German theologians, and they eventually saw no need for God for the present or for the future. So now you can kind of see how the church bought into this. If many are questioning the validity of Scripture, if many are questioning whether this is the Word of God, then it's easy to adopt anything that the world would throw at you. In fact, with many still questioning origins, that brought Darwin's view to being acceptable. But I want you to notice this. Here's what an evolutionist says, Sir Arthur Keith. He wrote this, Evolution is unproved and unprovable. I'll tell you what, that's something that will not appear in the headlines. That's something that you will not find on CNN. That's something that you will not find on your local TV stations. Because everything is presented as millions and billions of years. Everything, starting there, even the dating of rocks, starts at millions of years. It starts with an assumption that is unprovable. Look what else he says. We believe this, 
because it's the only alternative. It's the only alternative. The only alternative is special creation. And he says, that's unthinkable. He says, I would rather believe in something that is unproved and unprovable because the other is the only alternative, and I don't want to even go there. Psalm 14, verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Now I want you to consider something when you look at this. Both creation and evolution are based on the same thing, faith. Creationists believe that through faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Evolutionists, they believe, quote, the more one studies paleontology, that is the fossil record, the more certain one becomes that evolution is based on faith alone. Because if you'll notice, and I don't know if you know this, but in the fossil record there are no transitional forms. We see no changing of one form to another form. In fact, what we see is what Genesis account gives us, that everything produced after its kind. You don't jump species. A dog stays in the dog kind. You don't jump from a dog to a bird. There's nothing in Scripture for that. There's nothing in the fossil records. But yet evolutionists, which has a great power behind, him, behind them, and I'm not talking about money, though they have that. I'm talking about Satan wants to keep the world right here because the only alternative is God. See, again, this is why we as Christians need to understand that we have to have a biblical worldview. You say that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say that you believe in the virgin birth. Why is it so hard to say that God created everything in six literal 24-hour days? And why are people attacking that? Why are they attacking the resurrection of the virgin birth of Christ? They do attack those areas, but if they attack the six 24-hour days, that is attacking the biblical foundation by which everything rises. Everything rises or falls on that foundation. And if you take out the foundation, what's left? Nothing else is left. And people are going around and saying, Christians don't have the answers. They just say, trust in Jesus. People are asking questions today about origins, and Christians are just responding by saying, just trust in Jesus. Folks, we can give them solid answers. Again, we look at the same evidence, but we seek to interpret it through the lens of Scripture. So they agree that evolution is based upon faith alone. Take this other quote right here. Evolutionist David Albrook, professor of anatomy at the University of Western Australia, he said this, Evolution is a time-honored scientific tenet of faith. Faith. And folks, if, if you study what they're proposing, it takes faith to accept it. Even evolutionist William Bateson, he said this, Meanwhile, Though our faith in evolution stands unshaken, we have no acceptable account of the origin of the species. They keep trying to find the missing link, but there is no missing link. Dr. G. James Kennedy, he said in Grimm's fairy tale, someone kisses a frog and in two seconds it becomes a prince. That's a fairy tale. In evolution, someone kisses a frog and in two million years it becomes a prince. That's science but it's simply a faith. And we also need to understand 
that creation, not evolution, is based on a reasonable faith. See, both are, both are based on faith, but creation is based on a reasonable faith. Let's take the scientific method, for example. It requires observability and repeatability. That is the ability to duplicate something in a controlled environment. And listen, God is the only one who observed the creation. So if you say that God didn't create, you're saying that there is no God. Genesis 1.31 says, God saw everything He had made, and behold, it was good. Job 38 and verse 4, God said to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? See, no one has observed this but God, but when you come to evolution, no one has observed evolution in process. Evolutionist T.H. Morgan said, Within the period of human history, we do not know of a single instance of the transformation of one species into another. It may be claimed that the theory of descent is lacking, therefore in the most essential feature, that is an eyewitness of its occurrence, which is needed to place the theory on a scientific basis. So they are admitting here, this is not science. It is a faith. It is a religion. We could put it on the same level as a religion. Because again, it's not science. Evolution is not repeatable. Man cannot duplicate it in a scientific laboratory. Dr. N. Hybert Nielsen said, Neither evolution nor creation can be either confirmed or falsified scientifically. G.A. Kirkett, evolutionist, said, talking about the evolutionary assumptions by their nature, are not capable of experimental verification. But when you look at the, the view of creation and it being a reasonable faith, we understand that the design of the universe points to creation and not evolution. Because as we look at this, we see design demands a designer. An effect demands a cause. Organization demands an intelligence behind it. Yes, creation is a faith based on the observable world and universe. And so by looking around us, it seems obvious to us that someone with intelligence created, ordered, and organized this marvelous universe. But again, not all believe what the Bible says. They would rather believe in evolution. And again, the question is why? Well, it's convenient, for one. Secondly, it takes away any accountability. I can live and do whatever I want. And if you wonder why you have shootings in schools and shootings going on in malls and guys that get fired from their job and they go back and shoot their employer and kill half the people in the office, it's because of evolution. You've been listening today to Science Versus Evolution. This message is available on one full-length audio CD for a gift of $5. Or you can download the full MP3 from our website for free. To order your copy, call us at 904-651-3351 or visit our website at www.changedbygrace.org. While you're on our website, I'd like to invite you to listen to our series called The Genesis Record, and that will give you more information on this subject. Well, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. I do want to thank you for listening today. I hope that you'll join us again next time as we study together from God's Word. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. 
and I would like to invite you to our 11 o'clock service this morning at Eastport Baptist Church. We're located at 1322 Eastport Road in Ocean Way. We are biblical, expository, and reformed. So I hope that you'll join us and worship with us together. I hope to see you then.